Hello everyone, welcome to Isle of a Time. Luke here. Just a quick intro to this episode. We recorded it over Zoom, streamed on YouTube. There were a few technical issues this week, but we'll have them all sorted for next week. And we've got a couple of guests lined up for the next two weeks, which are looking pretty good, but I'll just hold off on confirming, confirming them just yet. One quick apology to the team at Stonewood. I called their East Point beer, their 2.7% uh, low alcohol beer. I called it the East Coast rather than East Point during this chat. Uh, apologies for that. It is, is East Point. And that's it. I'll just throw to Dave and I chatting. And as I said, we're doing this on Beer Together over on YouTube every Monday at 8.30 with either the two of us or guests. So yeah, go over there, uh, search Beer Together on YouTube and uh, subscribe and you know do, do, all the, do all the things. Thanks, everyone. How are you? We've done this briefly already. No complaints. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to recapture the fun that we had at the start, but um, we can try. Um, I'm going all right, man. What's news? Uh, I'm here. I'm going to open this beer first. I've got a red IPA from Bridge Road. Is this nitro? Uh, not historically, but it might be now. It's always been pretty fun. I don't think it's nitro. Uh, shout out to Bridge Road for sending me a beer. Yeah, so we were saying uh, I was out and about this weekend delivering patron beers. Yeah, it was good to see you guys as well, like just turn up at my house. I imagine you had a fun little uh, outing. Yeah, so we hit up uh, maybe a dozen people out there, mostly around north north of Melbourne, a couple in Richmond. Uh, it was really cool. Some people that I, I know quite well from beer stuff, some people that I, I don't think I'd ever actually met, so it's kind of cool to meet people that – uh, our supporters that, that we haven't met um, Doing it under the mask was weird yeah. uh, A couple of people that I know Sort of looked at me confusedly And I was like, it's Luke And they're like, oh, right Weren't they expecting you? A couple of people hadn't checked their emails Or didn't realise it was this morning I think oh. I got uh, So Chris and Kate Who um, Chris is a, a long-term supporter Who I know I don't think she was She was suspecting, expecting me Yeah, right Or any um, guests coming to the door, I guess yeah, yeah, particularly in a pandemic. You're not really getting that much visitors on a weekend. Exactly. Uh, but it was really cool. And so we, that was the first round of our deliveries. So we'll be doing uh, more deliveries this weekend to the rest of the people around Melbourne and then posting things out as well. I just need to get all the boxes sorted for that. Uh, I saw the Begsy post about drinking it. He loved it. So um, I'm pretty excited. Have you tried any of them yet? Yeah, I tried it a couple of months ago before they were labelled and they were, it was really good. Um, shout out to Dollar Bill for, for making incredible beer. And just giving us the chance to get up and sort of like dictate the blend as well. Yeah, totally. It was a fun experience and I'm, um, oh yeah, I'm looking forward to more people trying it and, uh, and letting me know what they think. And same sure. with you, Dave, letting you, you know and letting you, letting me know what you think. Yeah, I certainly shall. I've like got a vague memory of what it was like, but it's almost like trying a new beer. Well, yeah, and it's weird because I, for ages, I think I was the only one that's tried it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, like, I think it's good, but who else knows? <laughs> uh, I mean, I chatted to Ed from Dollar Bill, and he also really liked it as well. Nice. Um, I guess taking a sip of water. I've been out in the sunshine all day, all afternoon, with uh, Phil Cook, who was a previous guest on the show, uh, just drinking some beers and having a chat. Shout out to Phil for 
hanging out in the park. It was good times. Hey, Philo. Have you been uh, out and about now that Melbourne's open again, Dave? Uh, somewhat. We went to um, we went to Jamsheed on Friday uh, after work. Um, that's the closest sort of place to our to my home. So they've got a little walk up area. So I'm kind of sick of booking. I mean, I've done it twice or whatever, but I'm sick of like booking places to go. I just want to be able to like rock up somewhere and do it more. It makes it a bit stressful, doesn't it? Yeah, just sort of like puts a bit of a rush on it. It's putting, making you like, especially if they're two hour windows, you sort of like, you've always got that countdown going. You've got to be there on time. If you're late by any stretch, you're taking time out of your little allocated session. So yeah, just being able to just rock up and uh, have a little, have a little wine. It was beautiful. So we, I caught up with a friend of ours and went to Littlefoot here in Footscray. So we booked that one. Uh, a little bit of two birds on tap, which was was really lovely. Uh, lovely sunny courtyard. This is Sunday afternoon. Down to Bar Joe, a, a podcast favourite. Um, and again, we managed to get a walk in there, which was really cool. Um, and a sneaky pie from Pie Thief. Yes. What'd you have? Talk uh, to me. They had a Dan Dan noodle pie. That's fine. Yeah, I really like Dan Dan's become a lockdown dish at our house. Um, so like you know, spicy uh, Chinese Sichuan kind of style. I think it's Szechuan. There's Szechuan pepper in it anyway. Um, and then we went to Mr. West. Let's just not go past the pies for a second. <laughs> Sorry. How is that pie fight? So it's it's beef mints is kind of the basis for the noodles. So there's a little yeah. bit of noodles in there. There's the beef mints, the spicy mints, and they had like a spring onion relish kind of vinaigrette stuff that they can put on top. Uh, and it was okay. yeah, a real delight, real tasty. Um, and then you're down to Mr. West who have got a lot of outside seating in the Footscray Mall there, uh, combined with Slice Shop Pizza. So they've kind of shared that space, lots of tables, uh, doing it all through the app, order through the app. So yeah, it was, it was a really positive experience. Um, the vibe at, certainly at Footscray Mall, the vibe everywhere was, was really good, but at Footscray Mall there, it, it felt like it had always been there and it kind of, um, yeah, it was good. That is good. We went also to, um, we got a coffee and a breakfast sandwich yesterday at um, Rat the Cafe in Preston here. Maybe it's Thornbury. Play Thornbury. Um, and they've got like four tables outside or whatever. Um, and uh, it was just nice to sit out in like, it was a nice day. There was like a dog walking around beneath a kid who was dropping food to get some scraps. Like all these things are like, you don't really like you would never think about that as a thing that you would like to see but when you haven't seen it for six months or whatever. It's like, hell yeah, it's yeah, Bonnie. It's kind of weird the things that you go, oh, that will used to be a normal thing that I haven't yeah. seen for, for seven months or whatever. Yeah, I had a bait like that, that. That same kid, like, was holding a strong eye contact, like, he hated me. It was so <laughs> funny. I couldn't like, I, I couldn't stop looking. I just kept looking over and he's just like, same like, what are you doing here, face? Uh, Bigsy is also giving a plus one to Mr. West. I saw he was there, Saturday Avo. I was actually going to swing past Saturday Avo. I'd, I'd been eating some sneaky Vietnamese uh, and saw that Bigsy had opened, saw a later on on social media that he'd opened a Canteon. So that's the way to get back into the rhythm of, rhythm of things. 
Um, Ed Sam's just mentioned in the chat the new HPA Eclipse Hop Pack was advertised through social media today. So that's HPA 016. The hop has finally been given a name uh, known as Eclipse. And they've released, uh, I think it's a 12-pack that you can get. Uh, I know Beer Cartel have it. And, yeah, all d- different beers featuring that hop, which is a really cool way. I think it's a really Great cool idea. way to do it. Great yeah. idea. It's like the um, the next evolution of the single hop education thing beyond, like, the same beer brewed with a different hop or whatever. Just, like, all these different ways that flavours can be expressed using the same ingredient. That's and quite a, quite a diverse bunch of breweries as well from all around Australia. So, yeah, really cool, really cool concept. Uh, and it's pretty rare that I go, oh, I'm going to definitely buy that big box of beers. Um, you know, I guess one of the things I have doing a show like this, I get sent a lot of random samples. So I've just always got 16 of one different beer, of different beers. And it's, like, it sounds like such a weenie thing to complain about, but you just want a consistent beer. So it's rare that I look at a mixed thing and go, Definitely. I'd like to try that, but that's, yeah, certainly. Um, now, what are you drinking? I'm drinking uh, Mr. Banks uh, Off the Top Rope, which is a double dry hop IPA. Pretty classic uh, Mr. Banks hazy IPA. It's really good. I think it's real fresh, if I'm not much mistaken. Oh, it's sort of like right in the zone, actually. It's about four weeks old. Um, just... Tasting great. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm not I'm not really a fan of the style, but I find it hard to pass up a Banks version of those kinds of beers. And it's sort of like proving why I should. It's really great. There's an interesting thing with, with these styles in terms of the modern uh, double dry hop, somewhat juicier style of IPA, where people are kind of recommending fans of the beer, they're recommending people hold on to them for a month or so to let things mellow out a bit. Um, and I haven't really seen anyone talking about this, you know, officially, uh, but it's kind of an adjustment from, say, when we first started getting into beer where IPAs were super fresh. If you didn't have it on the, the day it was canned, you're, you're wasting your time. Yeah. I remember back in the day seeing, like, um, very annoying um, videos of people in America who had, like, a um, Plenty of the Elder and they were, like, looking at it, it was, like, 16 days old and they were just tipping it. Like, yeah. I don't like you. <laughs> even, yeah, even as a joke to trigger you, it's still dumb. Yeah. Um, but now there's kind of a, and, and something I don't know too much about in terms of the, the science of it, but to my understanding, a lot of the kind of the hazier stuff does take a little bit to settle once it's been uh, packaged. But, yeah, I'm keen to hear people's thoughts on that. Something that um, I chatted with Chris from Mr Banks about, I can't think of what, it might have been the, dro- the second drop, can't remember, but we were talking about it and it was, I think it was the day he went and dropped them uh, at all the drop points. Um, and I asked him about it and he goes, tasting really green, maybe hold off for a little bit. I was like, oh, interesting. And we talked about it for a bit. It's like something that you'd never really, two years ago even, just would not be talked about, like holding off on a hoppy beer. Yeah. And I think it's, it's changed so quickly in terms of that style's come out of nowhere essentially for a lot of us for a lot of people that there isn't that codified language around or or expectation around what it tastes like on day one versus the three months um so and i guess the the thinking would be because it's so volatile things are gonna get mellow and and get less exciting after a week but it seems to be the opposite's happening 
And I guess also like uh, it's such a, a boom style that a lot of breweries are uh, um, not doing that sort of research behind it because they've got to just get them out because they're yeah. going to sell. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, keen to hear anyone's thoughts on that if, if they have had experiences with holding on to, to hazy beers for a month, two months, three months. Um, so there, the I've got the the fat man, big red sack, uh, red IPA, Christmas beers. We're we're in Christmas already. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought? This is a pretty classic, um, pretty classic Ben from Bridge Road uh, approach to a, a tradition. It's not a typical Christmas beer, but it's more mm. suited to um, an Australian Christmas, perhaps. But I always like that beer. How how is it? Yeah, it's really yummy. I'm really full. We had fish and chips tonight uh, on That's a whim. Probably top tier stomach filler fish and chip. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, I and then Emma had been a shepherd and she made some cake for her family, which she brought home a couple of slices. Which I said, "Can you bring me home some cake?" Yeah. And then I ate some cake, and like I could cake. Pro- probably a uh, like a chocolate chocolate raspberry flourless thingo. And so a, a red IPA that's what. Two standard drinks. Uh, it's feeling probably a bit much right now, but I'll enjoy it. Nice. I like it. Um, now, so this show, this episode, this is the kind of the first in our solo, solo shows uh, for the Monday 8.30. So we're going to be looking to do this, um, if you're watching on Beer Together, on YouTube every Monday. But we'll, oh, Sorry, mix it up with guests, but no guests. We'll be just chatting beer news, and we've got some beer news ready to go. Just ready to go. I love it. It's actually quite handy because the Thursday beer news show that I've, I've been doing, uh, my computer crashed right at the last hurdle and I hadn't been saving. God damn it. Mm, mm. But what that means we've got plenty. Mean these days? Sorry? What does a crash mean these days? Well, I think I can recover it, but by that time it was 6 o'clock on Thursday. Um, you call the Thursday news. Yeah, so yeah. A session for it. Look, my mood at that point was not super positive, so... Uh, <laughs> I thought a good thing to chat about with Dave. First cab off the rank, we've got the Big Cartel Survey. Mm. So the big news from that, the, the winner of the, the Australia's favourite beer was uh, Black Ops. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to, to the Black Ops team. Uh, but the, the really fascinating one from that was Deeds. Yeah. Uh, the 114 spots to claim fifth. And yeah. I get it. People are people are really loving deeds at the moment, and yeah, they're doing some really interesting beers. Yeah, like cranking out a lot of different beers, all at. I mean, I can only get my hands on so many, but like they all seem to be at a pretty high um, level of quality. So that doesn't surprise me at all. The one of the interesting things there was a story in Bruce News about hazy beer selling really well in, in BWS. Uh, I think it's, I don't know where the story was generated from, but uh, you know. Of course, hazy beers like the, the stats where it's you know grown by X percentage, but it's coming off a, a base of essentially zero. Yeah. Um, at, at BWS, but uh, they mentioned Black Hops uh, Goat G O A T Hazy as being one of the kind of leaders. So wow. it's kind of fascinating. Um, you know, while that poll is craft beer drinkers and, and aimed at craft beer drinkers, it's still seventeen thousand people. Yeah, and they're craft beer drinkers who wouldn't exclusively buy at craft shops so mm. um, when they see those brands at the BWS and the Dan Murphy's or whatever probably just gravitated towards it yeah so yeah seeing um 
seeing kind of hazy beer and then a, a brewery that's not Stonewood or Bolter uh, hit the top of the list is, is quite interesting. Isn't it? I don't think I've even had that many Black Hops beer. So, like, it sort of just, it probably does it for a lot of people, sort of brings them into the purchase conversation with a lot more focus. So we also got second in the podcast rankings behind Radio Brews News. Almost got it right. Almost yeah. got it right. Yeah, I mean, given our complete lack of organisation this year uh, and, actual, and actually releasing content, thanks so much for everyone that still voted for us because that's Definitely. really cool. And so Black Hops are the darlings who won the coveted prize. And, I mean, it doesn't take too much. So fourth place uh, podcast was Black Hops Operation Brewery. So... And that, that was interesting. Especially Black Ops. That's, that's fine. They, they only released, they've only released one podcast in the last 12 months. Uh, I think it was one. And, I mean, it, I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm saying it because that shows their fans are, like, super committed. And I think that's probably what most breweries want. They're a super committed fan base. It's, it's testament to something, what they've built, I think. Mm-hmm. Next year, number one, for sure, for us, I think. Yeah. I think it's a formality, dude. I think it's a formality. Those are the two things that, that stood out for me. Anything stand out for you when you look at um, it? There was a lot of – a lot. it was heavily focused around um, COVID behaviours, which makes a lot of sense. Um, but it did seem like it was a lot of statistics that told similar stories mm. and not that surprising. It's kind of cool to see it in um, data form, but – yeah, interesting to see like a big swing in obviously in online purchasing. Uh, mm. I was like, I haven't done any online beer purchasing. So, um, how have you been getting your beers? Going to the local breweries that have got a takeaway permit or whatever. I've been going. I've been getting out there. Yeah, I was going to say we're certainly blessed living where we are to have access to yeah. breweries. But then I, I was looking at the number. Um, I saw the Courier Mail, and I think it might have been in conjunction with. Queensland government as part of the um, craft beer strategy. They've got a kind of a government lead craft beer strategy up there happening at the moment. And there was like a hundred breweries listed in Gold Coast, Sunshine Coast. I thought that was interesting because I certainly couldn't name 50 of them probably. It was weird though, the the Herald Sun or the Courier Mail, sorry, that the angle for the story was really weird. It was, um, there was a line in there where we reveal, we're revealing the true owners. Oh, yeah, I saw you post that. Like, right. And a lot of them, did, some of them did mention the owners, but, like, a lot of them also didn't, and it certainly wasn't why the list was there. Like, it was just such a weird, like, we're going to reveal the owners. Like, but also, no, like, I can't imagine I can't imagine the demo that's clicking that going, sick, can't wait to find out who the real owners are. Yeah, and I like I looked at Bolter because I'm going to look at that to see, and it said CUB. Okay, but like, I guess technically it's Asahi now, so they didn't even reveal the true owners. <laughs> They're failing at their mission. They really are. Um, but anyway, it is it is really legitimately good to see a map like that because it's kind of hard to keep keep that you know keep that updated. So hopefully they keep something like that updated, and, and it's a good resource for people, and we can find <laughs> the. The true owners behind the scenes. The sleuths will be on the case. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, what's the next thing we're going to talk about? Next thing on the list, let me refer back briefly, is the Victorian Container Deposit Scheme. Yeah. This, uh, so this is going out, and I, I guess this needs to be included because I haven't seen much talk about it at the moment. 
I'm hearing about it was today. Yeah, so they're going out for breweries to put in their points of view. They're looking for um, feedback on the proposed scheme. So, and it's these schemes are quite complicated to read, and um, I certainly am not going to pretend I understand it. But uh, they are taking a lot of influence from the New South Wales one, uh, and there was a lot of problems with that, with registering beers into the scheme um, and returning beers, and the machines weren't quite working as as they should have. Do you know um, how machines work? Like, what do they recognise? I think they're recognising barcodes. That was early on. There's a lot of teething problems in New South Wales. And then the once they got it up and running, and, and please, if anyone out there knows uh, more than this about me, correct me, but it's my understanding it seems to be working okay. People are using it. Um, I think there's four, I mean, four billion cans returned through it. And it's a, lot of cans, isn't it? a lot of it is community. So community groups will have a machine on site and then they get that money. So you could, people use it as a fundraising. So, yeah, that's, um, that's happening in, in Victoria. And I guess, yeah, the government is looking for feedback on how they how you think it should work. Um, and if you're a brewery that's had to deal with ones interstate, you might want to have your say now. Like when I was reading, going through it, I was like, from my understanding of what this is, Gee, it's a lot of pre-work and there's a lot behind what's a fairly simple concept. Yeah, I, mean, I think one of the things we've seen, even things like whole containers is a problem for the 360 rip lids that mm-hmm. a couple of breweries use. Yeah, I, I, my understanding of the New South Wales on it, it was a bit of a mess at the start. So there's no national system as well. It's not one thing. So it's quite complicated. And I think, yeah, if, if you are a brewery that might be impacted, check it out. Uh, make sure you have your say. Next up, we have got Afria buying Sweetwater. So New Zealand, this is kind of weed related more than beer related. It's extremely. So New Zealand didn't legalise weed, but a lot of states in the US did legalise or decriminalise. I think it's 16 states now in the US and Oregon decriminalised a lot of drugs, if not maybe all drugs. I think all of them, I think, yeah. And legalised mushrooms or psychobillin, which is crazy for like, you know, you don't think of drug policy being that liberal. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be, there's got to be like a pretty strong body of research for that to pass, you imagine. So, yeah, and I think the New Zealand one, and I will sort of lead this on to beer because it is certainly around, it was designed to be harm minimization more than just making it legal. So, really controlled. You could only buy it, you couldn't buy it at pubs, you couldn't smoke at a pub. You had to go to the cafes, like, say, in Amsterdam, mm-hmm. smoke there, buy there, or at home. You couldn't uh, smoke weed in public or anything like that. And anyone that sort of lives in New Zealand will know it's very easy to get weed, and you'll know how many kids, teenagers, even younger than teenagers, have pretty pretty easy access to it. But what we're seeing now in the US, with it now being controlled in a lot of places, people are starting to pay attention from the beer world where a, so a weed companies bought a brewery. There are products like, you know, alcohol beer adjacent products with CBD. There are, it's a little bit fuzzy around putting CBD, which is the relaxant, uh, and THC, which is the stuff that gets you high. You certainly can't put THC into a beer. I don't think any regulator is going to let, let you combine the two. But I know in bars you can get CBD cocktails, and I think a couple of breweries have done CBD beers. Seems to be like a massive, a massive growth product in the last few years like if anyone listens to any american podcasts you've definitely been spruiked cbd oil or cbd related products 
ad nauseum almost. So it's almost like a sense of normalcy at least. The advertisers like a, a health product almost. So like you can really see momentum behind that that part of the plan. It's jarring, isn't it? Yeah, well, how, it's just jarring how, to think about it, I guess. Yeah, because I think, yeah, just how regulated it is or, you know, yeah. illegal it is here and how, you know, people, and even in, in the States, you know, across the border you end up in jail for something that people are using openly. For sure. But I think it's also the matter of, like, who in Australia wants to get behind that? Like, is it is it politically worth it to do that? Yeah, and that's the crazy thing about New Zealand. It was a left-wing government landslide and you know, Greens had some big moves um, in terms of their vote, yet the, you know, the the weed bill got voted down. So when I heard about the weed bill in New Zealand, I thought it was, my feel was like, this is going to happen in New Zealand because it seemed like a more accepting culture of it. What was the problem with the bill? Like, why did it get voted down, do you think? There was some scare campaigns from the no side. Right. Um, so a part of the bill was you could have to buy, uh, sorry, the most you could buy I think was a 14 grams, which is half an ounce, which is a, a crap load. And people were like, you know, setting a limit on it meant the no people said, that's 36 joints a day, no one needs that much. And kind of failing to to realise that, you can buy 20 bottles of whiskey a day. Yeah. No one's going to drink that much. Same with, with that amount of, of marijuana. Yeah, yeah. No one, no one is smoking 36 joints or whatever it was a day. And um, also, like, you don't have to buy everything that you consume for that day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like can, You can stock up a little bit. But the, the tagline of 14 joints a day really did a lot of damage. Wow. Uh, sorry, 14 grams a day, like outrageous. And, yeah, so things like that led to a bit of a scare campaign around it. And rather than the, you know, the harm minimization and the, the positive aspects in terms of, you know, think in terms of tourism, I think there would be, particularly now with, with the travel bubble, you know, realistically looking for between Australia and New Zealand, there's, there's a hell of a lot of people in Australia that would More travel sure. to New Zealand just to get high. And listen to that sweet reggae we have over there. What a vibe. Yeah. What a vibe. Um, his pie as well. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Pies oh. everywhere. And, yeah, so it, that's interesting. And, it, and it, it would have impacted the beer industry for sure. It kind of it goes hand in hand in, in Portland um, where people are kind of, yeah, the, the two industries I think are really close and it's probably a, a similar demographic. Um, so this purchase of Sweetwater was $300 million. Big, yeah. Uh, so that's a, a big. I, didn't, I never realized how big Sweetwater was. Anyway, what did you? How big are they? Did you learn? Like, I think their re- their revenue from the previous year was like sixty five million dollars. Um, and I guess the, the another inter- interesting aspect is it's a Canadian company. Mm-hmm. So Canada has government government controlled weed, basically. So yeah, the initial transaction value represents approximately twelve point five times Sweetwater's adjusted earnings before interest taxes, etc. Hmm. Big number, but like when I read that first, I was like, Whew, "That's squillions!" But like, I don't know, they're a very healthy business. Yeah, um, interesting. I never would have thought a weed company would be buying out a brewery. No, and it seems like it's just the start of their plan to expand across um, different modes. So, hmm. I'm sure, we haven't had the last of Africa. What else is on the old docket? A couple of non-alk related. Uh, 
Yeah. Flows. So Upflow, uh, which is the Melbourne-based non-alcoholic one, mm-hmm. they released a hypertonic beer. What is that? Uh, or beers. I don't know. And I, I think I went to look it up and I'm like, ah, it's it's supposed to be good for sports recovery. So the the kind of the That's whole word. Hypertonic sounds like it's so good for you. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it's good for you. Um, so they're, they're kind of billing them as sports beers. So there was a media release where um, there's quite a funny media release. They've got, a, a, just brought it up, Elijah Weir, who's a former Port Adelaide player. Um, are you familiar nope. with Elijah Weir? Nope. Hmm. Uh, he was a list, but he wasn't he a star. Said, he says, uh, the quote is, I drink upflow hypertonic sports beers to help me rehydrate after games. They allow me to enjoy a few celebratory beers with my with my footy players without having to worry about the risk of driving home to my family. Uh, I enjoyed the clumsiness of that to help me rehydrate after games and beers with my footy players. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's, I don't know if he actually said that out loud or that was written yeah, for him. But that was like just off the door. That was just like captured from real conversation. That wasn't, that wasn't clumsily written. Um, but yeah, it's supposed to be good um, alcohol-free beers according to the, the press releases, it supports hydration due to water, carbohydrate and sodium content. And I have heard in terms of uh, a light beer is actually pretty good for recovery for that reason. Right. Um, it, okay. You do get some you know, immediate benefit from what... So there's nothing there. about what they're doing with their beer. It's more... It's I'm sure that's their angle, but that would be the same for any non-alcohol beer, right? Yeah. No, well, so this one... Interesting angle. I don't mind. Maybe um, so. I mean, Julian, I've chatted to before from Spark, who's behind Upflow. So maybe we'll reach out to him for a chat, and he can answer these questions. I don't mind it. Um, yeah, because like the alcohol-free beer market has reached beyond and uh, quicker than I thought it would. I didn't really see where it was going that much, but it seems to have picked up. Well, part of the beer cartel survey suggested there was a pretty steep growth for it. Mm. Um, I'm a little surprised, but that's only a good thing. Have you had any recently? No. When we talked to um, Sober, I was very interested in um, those. And I keep like, my eyes keep going down to that um, that fridge space at Carwin, but I haven't I haven't done it yet though. Uh, so, yeah, again, today when I, was, I caught up with Phil in the park, I took a couple of the love all beers from uh, Holgate. Great. Really good. Yeah. That's exactly what it needed to be. Um, and Mornington Peninsula of, of Mornington Peninsula Brewery have released one called Free. Uh, so people are really clamouring for that space, less so than, than a seltzer at the moment. But mm-hmm. um, And I think my That's experience. Great. I just, if I'm not going to have a beer, I just won't have a beer. Like I don't need to. I think that gap doesn't need feeling personally. So I'm like, I'm glad to see it. It's like much better. It's a, it's a good option. Like it's, a, it's, a, it's a healthy thing to be growing in the market. I'm certainly surprised how quickly I fell for them, for lack of a better term. The, the ones that I've tried from uh, Big Drop and Holgate and Sober have all thought, yeah, there's, a, there's probably a place in my life for this. Yeah. And I probably would never have said that because, you know, we talk about the taste and the flavour and all the things that come that are positive about small craft beer, but we also like getting drunk. That's, that's always an appeal of such a product. Let the cat 
the ones that I've had, I think have either been free or bought for shows. Yep. Uh, so the sober one I bought, I don't know if it's going to make a regular appearance in my purchasing habits, mm-hmm. but I kind of would like it to. Fair enough. It's a good thing to have, I guess, in the fridge. Hmm, interesting. Um, but really, I'm also really enjoying the Stonewood East Coast, which is 2.7. That's like mid, mid, like little spritzy sour, isn't it? Yeah. Um, apparently, there's been some people surprised it's sour because it doesn't really indicate that on the can. Oh. But yeah, that that certainly would have a home in, in my fridge, um, and it's kind of a good option if you're cooking dinner and you're maybe going to have a bottle of wine or something with dinner. Definitely. Something that's not so intense. Um, yeah, I like. I don't think I've seen it. I'm, I'm really keen to, to try it, but I don't think I've seen it. I don't know how far and wide it is. Yeah. Uh, but again, that was a, a sample sent through. So, but I will certainly keep an eye out, and um, probably it'll probably find a home in my fridge pretty often. Nice. Uh, the final thing is Shelton. Big, yeah, big. So, like way bigger than it. Like way bigger than the sum of its parts. Yeah, yeah. I think this took a few people by surprise. So it could be hunting uh, published, broke the story about Shelton, Shelton Brothers distribution in the US uh, going under, uh, basically being in debt, um, being in debt for the last couple of years. Uh, looks like the owner's going to lose out personally and, and potentially lose his house by the look of it, um, Dan Shelton. But for, I guess the people aren't familiar, Shelton Brothers were started in the late 90s and they are, they're kind of responsible for a lot of the interest in Lambic, certainly at that time, by bringing in the Lambic breweries and then other European breweries as well. So you kind of, I kind of associate old school Euro, like high end Euro with Shelton in the Definitely. US. Definitely. Um, they also at different times have done uh, Australian brands. Mm-hmm. Uh, La Siren. La Siren. Two Metre Tall. Two Metre Tall, Moondog. Moondog. Uh, Bridge Wild, Road, I think. Bridge Road, Bridge yep. Road. Yeah. Um, and Wildflower, I think that's it. And New Zealand brands. So Eight Wired was always through them and into America as well. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, I don't think any of the Australian brands were doing huge numbers through them currently or, or even at all um, at the moment. So I don't know what the impact is going to be there. Um, but in terms of what that says about the market is quite interesting. Um, there's kind of discussion in the could be a hunting story of those kinds of beers have lost their charm and their appeal now, purely because there's just just as good, yeah. you know, in terms of, um, you know, wild ferment stuff and farmhouse styles and Euro styles. Uh, while we, you know, we all know how incredible Cantillon or Three Fontenaine or Duranka are, but particularly in some places in America, you can get that cheaper and easier. Definitely, yeah. And the cost would become a real factor. Um, yeah. You have great local uh, examples of that. Um, there's another interesting aspect where they also distributed Prairie and McCallabears, uh, and then they lost them a couple of years ago with both them. So McCalla, who's also in financial trouble at the moment. Um, there's a couple of stories that could be hunting about that. But they opened their US operations and then didn't need distribution anymore because they were doing it themselves. And same with Prairie. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Dave Clouton's asked in the chat, uh, was there always going to be a shift from on-premise suppliers like Shelton to the rise of online retailers? Which is an interesting aspect, but in the US it's a lot harder to do 
online retail because state shipping across state lines um, officially is illegal, I think, in most states, if not all. But there's a lot of US people buying masses of Lambic from Belgium directly. Uh, like huge amounts of Lambic is just going going into the US through through private sales. Well, not private sales, but you know, less official retailers, which I think would certainly have hurt someone like Shelton. Definitely, yeah. Um, but also they said 50% of their business was restaurants and bars. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a, it's a weird one because that's such a, a name associated with so many things in the beer world, I guess, you know. Definitely. A long like, time. It's like a, um, yeah, like a pillar brand, but the more you think about it with your, 2020 mind so the more it sort of makes sense and you think that the impact might not be too great to the surrounding businesses not so much for them it sounds like a terrible time but um yeah definitely one that took well took me by surprise the um i guess there might be flow on effects in terms of availability for a lot of those beers in australia yep um i don't, I don't know i don't know what the agreements are like in australia and, and whether or not anyone has the capacity to take on more um but you know with say Canteon, their exclusivity, I think, helps them in Australia. It did at a time, yeah. Well, I think now, like, they they immediately disappear off shelves, whereas Three Fontenay in Hawaii would drink their, their girls over Canteon, not to take anything away from either. They're both stellar, but Three Fontenay sits Collects dust, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think that might have a, a slightly higher price point these days as well. But yeah, the, the fact Canteon just gets snapped up so quickly means if you if you want it, you need to hustle for it. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, yeah, if we do see more availability, what will happen? That was a big one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was the end of the list, if I'm not much mistaken. Yes, it was. Awesome. Well, we'll call this a uh, we'll wrap this up a bit call of a short a one. Show, hey? We'll be back next. Monday with a guest. Uh, if you're listening to this on the audio podcast and you want to join on the chat, we had a few people chatting away there. You can join in, subscribe to um, Beer Together, and also the um, I'll give a plug for the Have a Beer Guest of the Year, which is still happening on Beer Together as well. Uh, that's got a really really cool community. Uh, is that chat is moving quick with people chatting and and really enjoying. Uh, I think they're doing a live show somewhat of a live show with restrictions in place at um, the Royal Mail Hotel in here in uh, West Melbourne. Uh, so if you, if you want to get along or join in the chat, I can definitely recommend it's a fun way to spend a Thursday. That's good. I like the idea of that live show. That'll be good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I think that, that concept will translate to live really well. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. hopefully I'll be back sans computer issues with Thursday Beer News this week as well. I've got a I've got a much more powerful computer sitting right next to me that I don't use. So why don't you use it? Uh, so this is Emma's it's Emma's Mac that she would use at home. But then she bought her work computer home. Oh but, right. But if I start using the that, work it computer means is even more powerful than the Emma's computer. Yeah. And so my laptop is. And you're old using a little rinky dink thing over there, mate. Frisbee it. Just get on Emma's old one. Well, yeah, but then if things go back to normal, I then lose that. And have to get all my systems set up. And yeah, yeah. anyway, okay. uh, yeah, it's just it's just the challenges of COVID, Dave. I don't know if you've heard of this COVID thing. 
I heard it was a hoax, to be honest. Uh, if you want to hear more about the COVID hoax, check out uh, the Hypothetical Institute on your, in your podcast apps as well. We just did an election and election special, short notice one on Saturday, but we also did, speaking of New Zealand, we talked about New Zealand being uh, concentration camps, full of concentration camps to police state. Uh, this theory is getting legs internationally that New Zealand is just uh, a UN policed hellhole and you do not want to go there. So what, like, where does that come from? People are cooked is the summary of that. Okay. They, they've taken to, I guess the, the, the short of it is, New Zealand's doing mandatory quarantine and if you want to get tested, if you don't want to get tested, you have to stay on quarantine, which I think everyone's doing. Yeah. But so do you, is this like based on COVID? Yeah. Right, okay. But it's also, it's also tied into a lot of billionaires moving to New Zealand to build bunkers which I think has been disproven as well. Um, just a couple have moved there. No, they're just building bullet holes, mate. They're building and yeah. also just the, the gun, changes to gun laws in the wake of the Christchurch shooting. These are all real trigger points for cooked people online to be like, they're taking their guns, they're locking people up, what is happening? And, and it's a successful left-wing government that's managed COVID. You know what I just thought? Cooked people must love the internet. The internet's been a boom for the cooks. Just everything you could want, amazing. They're having a they're having a real like they're at the peak of their powers. The cook units. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of Infowars around the election. Everyone else tunes into CNN, and I'm I'm bringing up Alex Jones, and they're openly calling what for civil doing these days. What's he What's he up to? Openly calling for civil war, but he's really making a good go of spreading as much COVID as he possibly can. By he went to. At Arizona, there was a protest around the polling booths because they were stealing the election allegedly. And he turns up to this. Arizona's a city, a state of 7 million people, 2,000 COVID cases that day. Uh, Alex Jones turns up and proceeds to touch everyone's hand in that crowd. High fives. He's got a megaphone that he passes around. He's given hugs. Uh, yeah. Tell you what, he might have the last laugh because if this is a hoax, he might prove it by his actions. What was that? That was about five days ago. So in nine days, I yeah. think he might be the one who comes out on top. As Cam said on the Hypothetical Institute, uh, what if the cure for COVID was weird silver supplements that he's been selling on his website all this Crushing. time? Crushing it. Um, yeah, tune in for, to the Hypothetical Institute for more of that because I could talk about that all night. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us in the chat, and this will run so much smoother next time. Uh, we really look forward to seeing you all. Cheers, everyone. Bye.